take a moment, hold yourself and give yourself that touch, give yourself that sensation and that embrace to say, okay, that sucked. Now what? It's going to be okay. Welcome to On Your Terms with Erin King, a show about living a life you truly love. Here's Erin. Well, over the last year or two, you may have asked yourself once, twice, maybe 800,000 times, well, that sucked. So now what? If that question has ever crossed your mind, good news, because that is the title of Dr. Nita Bouchon's brand new book that just came out a few weeks ago. And let me tell you, our conversation around grit and resilience, reinvention, emotional health was fantastic. One of my favorite conversations. Dr. Nita Bouchon, she's actually a former cosmetic dentist turned best-selling author, international speaker, and she's the host of the Brave Table podcast and also the co-founder of the Global Grit Institute. Her story is unbelievable because she left her multi-million dollar dentistry practice to pursue a quest for self-discovery. She spent 15 years across 45 countries researching and immersing herself into the field of human behavior dynamics. She studied philosophy, modern psychology, and really it helped her to move through some of the most traumatic life experiences, the most extreme adversaries you could ever imagine that she went through from age 10 to 19, which you'll hear in the conversation. If you're looking to figure out how you can grab your own emotional leadership, your own grit, and really figure out how you can feel more resilient and more emotionally healthy in today's crazy times, this conversation is for you. Have a listen. I think as much as we try to release this inner good girl, younger child craving the the gold star, the hug, the good job you, I mean, I don't know how you grew up, but in my house, achievement equaled affection. And Mm -hmm. it was very much a certain plan. And I've, I have been the black sheep in my family my entire life. And I just would try to, you know, starting these companies and writing my stuff and doing my craft. And I always seek this acceptance. And the most powerful thing I ever did was not a hundred percent, but I would say, I would say I'm 95% have released craving that good job you, uh, from my family. Mm -hmm. It's still 5% there. I haven't totally gotten rid of it, but it was one of the most empowering things I ever did was to realize like, they're never going to understand. They're not going to get it because they don't know it. And that's okay. Are you doing it for them or are you doing it for you? And so it's funny because I heard that story and, and 95% of me was like, well, I mean, that's, you know, this, we have to, we'll, you'll still see it for her. Then there's 5% of me that is like, gosh, that would be really cool to have a moment where you could see all their faces and just see them get it just for a minute oh, to yeah. understand. So I'm so happy that you're going to have that experience in New York tomorrow. It's fantastic. Oh my gosh. You know, it, it is it is kind of like that full circle moment. I mean, of course we joke around it and I've, I've created a couple of different, you know, coaching uh, companies now that like help people release some of the expectations and the validation seeking that we all wanted from our families who were probably just doing the best that they could because, totally. you know, the training that they got or the love and affection that they got was, 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 pretty similar and getting validated about right answers and validated about performance and 
and all of those things. But yeah, it's it's definitely been a through line in my work to actually even have you know, this new book as a mantra, well, that sucked. Now what? How to embrace the joy and chaos and find magic in the mess? Because some of the root sayings in the book, it's we're not going to be able to please everyone and to give ourselves permission to to suck, to give ourselves permission to, yeah, not be the golden child, to move away from the status quo, to move away and actually take that left turn and be okay with that left turn. And there's a lot of these anecdotes that I have in the book from stories of my own clients and even some of the stories in my childhood growing up around having to having this being a constant battle. And you know, in the beginning when you're wanting to make a pivot, when you're wanting to make a shift and change in your life and you know that well, it's not definitely what, you know, mom or dad would ever want, or mm-hmm. they have this dream, this vision of you. It's something that we have to reconcile first. And many times it's like for it's starting out with forgiving ourselves in the process. Mm-hmm. It's so good because reconciling it for ourselves first, I almost felt like in my journey, I don't know how yours unfolded, and I can't wait to hear that entire backstory. Cause I read it, your story is incredible. I cannot wait for our listeners to hear the whole thing. Kind of talking about that. I felt like the minute that I allowed myself to do what you just described, the minute that I released this deep-seated biological craving for not only acceptance, but accolades, but high five, not only this is okay, but this is exceptional. Once I released that and I began to sort of step into, they're not going to understand my journey, but my journey's not for them, it's for me. I don't know what happened with your family, but they almost felt, my family almost felt like a shift where they were like, oh, she thinks it's amazing. She is good. She is whole and complete. And they almost mimic, they almost fell in line a little bit where they kind of followed my lead when they felt the energy of seeking that authorization, that permission remove itself from the dynamic. I'm not sure if that happened in your journey at all. Oh my gosh. Oh, absolutely. Every step of the way. And I think that, you know, uh, to your point and and what I talk about in the first part of the book, it's called, well, the magical moment of suck, right? And the, the book is, uh, you know, dropped into three parts. But the first part of any major sucky moment of, and usually it's, okay, breaking free from kind of the confines or the conventionality that maybe something didn't go our way. Maybe we, you know, we failed that test. Maybe we failed that exam. Maybe we started that business and it bombed, or we started a few businesses and it bombed, or we got married and then got divorced, or we had you know, a big breakup with a friend who we trusted and then there was betrayal. So there is that magical moment that sucked. And I think the first few things that come up around it are, well, okay, are we going to ruminate in the suck and have that be part of our identity? And our excuse as to why we stay in that situation, stay in that suck, Or are we going to be courageous, be brave, and maybe we'll have to stand up to our family members, tell them the truth that we don't really like the path that we're on or that we're probably going to change and shift course. And, you know, their dreams are never going to be actualized through us anyways. And for a moment, there will have to be a little bit of that break. Maybe, maybe, you know, for some, there will be that falling out for a little bit. And I think that, you know, for so many of even my students 
at Global Grid Institute or at Dharma Coaching Institute, there is usually that proverbial fall. Some shift happens or we have a recognition or realization in ourself. And then there are the tools. Either we stay in our situation or we actually gain the courage to share our truth and, and share our voice. Kind of like what I had to do, you know, in my own journey yeah, I growing up in a very, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so yeah. So Aaron, I, I grew up in a very traditional, conventional upbringing and family. My mom was from the Philippines. My dad was from India and you know, they wanted us to have all the trappings of success, right? They came here, the whole American dream. It was all of the things. I was the oldest of of two younger brothers. And it was, you know, there was definitely tiger parenting. So, you know, bring home the straight A's. You can only be a doctor, dentist, lawyer, engineer. Well, things kind of took a, a shift and turn because I, from the age of 10 through 19, I would probably go through the most, you know, horrific pain and loss for a teenager. I I went through losing my mom to breast cancer at the age of 16, watching her go through that full battle for six years. Mm. And then immediately a year after, you know, my mom uh, transitioned and passed away, my brother who was coming home from, we had a homecoming game and he had asthma, but you know he had his inhaler. It was not working that day, and uh, he suffered from a major asthma attack and passed away that day. Oh and it was on my youngest brother's twelfth birthday. So oh my god! We're talking about yeah, trauma, 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 and just like huge. I mean, world rocking upset <laughs> of a sucky moment, right? Oh. And and if that wasn't enough. You know, when you're trying to uh, reel and really get through a really dark period of time, it threw my dad into a very deep depression. And two years later, we got the diagnosis that he had stage four lung cancer and that he only had nine months to live. So, yeah. So the worst happened. So at 19, I lost my dad. And at 19, oh. I was an orphan. And at 19, I was the now caretaker of my younger brother who was uh, 14 at the time. And so, so yes, did I want to make my parents proud? Oh, oh yes. God. You know, did, did that change my trajectory and my mindset in the way that I chose success and how I chose to keep going and keep overworking and overachieving and overdoing uh, because I wanted that validation. Oh yeah. And so much so that, you know, it would spill over from my mm. professional life into my personal life in my relationships. Yeah. And, and that would be the hallmark of me now getting into my twenties in really not really processing a lot of the emotions and the emotional the emotional turbulence that I was actually going through, the grief, the pain, the the loss, because I was in mm. such survival mode. And I think sure. for a lot of us who have been through some major rocking upset, you are in that survival mode for a very long time until mm. you start taking that ownership and personal responsibility to say, all right, I can change this reality or I and probably going to attract the same kinds of experiences and things in my life so that I then choose a different reality or this this is going to be a constant cycle 
And it's one of the reasons why I developed, you know, this mantra of that sucked. Now what? Because Mm. it's not this sucks. It's not this situation sucks right now, whatever suck that we're in. It's giving reverence to what actually happened. That situation really sucked to acknowledge it, to say it out loud, to give it voice so that we don't have to be addicted to that identity, but that we're giving it honoring and and reverence that it actually happened to actually say, all right, well, now what? Now, how am I going to heal? How am I going to pick up the pieces? How am I going to move forward from this? Wow. How did you, I mean, I read your story online, but hearing you tell it and seeing your face and your eyes and your energy, like it's a totally different, like secondary grief experience to to hear that from you. And I'm just, I'm so sorry that you had to walk through that at that age. And I just, I can't, I can't even imagine how at that age you managed to go from this sucks, this sucks again, this really fucking sucks again. Like, is this how, why is this happening? I mean, how did you even start to transition from this sucks to this sucked past tense? Like how, how, what was the beginning of that transition? Because so many people, to your point, they they freeze time in the present tense of that. And that becomes their lifelong identity on this planet. And so many people never evolve beyond that or iterate beyond that emotionally. How in the hell did you even start to do that? What what was that journey like? Oh, well, first I had to make a few more fuck ups before I would actually hit my big awakening. You know, the, the awakening, the, the, the getting down to your knees, the rock bottom moment, Mm -hmm. and that wouldn't be for another decade. And so, you know, just to kind of even, you know, go through my, my twenties at 19, I was, you know, having had from 10 to 19, this experience and in this constant wavering of like dark cloud of like, is this is this really like is this life and why is this my why why is this happening to me like there were so many like why, why me, me right. yeah. why me moments oh for sure because even as a young person all you want to do is fit in like nobody wants to talk about dead people you know in their life let alone mm. your parent like your immediate family and then Insane. that then becoming a very awkward conversation when you're meeting people and you know maybe them not even knowing what to say and and not even wanting to be friends with you because they just don't even know how to react right and and we're not given a lot of those tools so i had to sit with a lot of uncomfortability discomfort and just feeling into okay is this person going to think i'm weird or broken because i've gone through this and so yeah mm. i i definitely had you know, toxic positivity was one of my main coping mechanisms and holding on to relationships that did not serve me and were very toxic, were very unhealthy because I was afraid of, you know, like losing another person. So I would hang on to these love relationships. Let me just tell you, my love life was probably not the healthiest. Mm. And I then had to, you know, set foot into my next iteration of who I was becoming and face the greatest pain, which was leaving my first marriage. And, you know, I fell in love in dental school. I became a cosmetic dentist. I, you know, had my really amazing lucrative dental practice before I was 30. Uh, 
I channeled everything. I put everything into that persona of myself Mm -hmm. so that I could be taken seriously, so that I could, you know, have this thing that I can say, hey, look what I did, community. Look what I did to my aunts and uncles, to my Mm -hmm. grandmother, to the ghosts of my parents. You know, are are you proud of me yet? Right. Mm -hmm. And then I remember on December 31st, you know, 2011th, Uh, That would be the day that I had to take everything I could, stuff whatever I could in a suitcase. And that would be the very last time that I would allow my ex-husband to strike me across my face. And that then began this journey of unapologetic, unwavering self-love. And when I hit that full rock bottom, when I actually had to come clean to my team members, I had 10 team members that were at my dental office, you know, with me in my fancy car and I was sobbing so hard and I had never sobbed, never screamed, never moaned. I mean, world shaking, like full on upset of of where are these feelings going to go? Because for for 10 years, I've been holding that in. I held all of that grief in. Mm. And I remember walking into my office that I owned. My name was on that door. So in such fear and such panic mode, like, oh my God, they're going to find out that I'm a fraud. They're going to find out that like, I am just not that person. And I just spilled my guts. And I just said, listen, I know things are going to be uncertain here. I'm going through a divorce and I'm going through a very tough time. And it's interesting when I said it out loud, it's like all of that pressure released. And I think it goes into how we show up even as leaders, whether we have our own businesses, whether we are in companies, we think that we have to hide so much of our personal selves but there was so much trust and vulnerability that happened that day. And it forever changed the trajectory of my life because that's when I realized, oh, wait, I can let people in. I can actually say, hey, I actually need help. I can't do this. And and the doors opened up for me in terms of like people's you know homes that I stayed at. People were saying, hey, I'll take over for you. How can I do this? How can I do that? And there were people that left me that day as well that didn't know and couldn't handle the uncertainty. And that was okay too. But I was able to then say, all right, here are the pieces and here's this new reality. And you know what? Things are going to be scared. Things are going to be awkward. I have no choice. And in the book, I talk about how to fly forward. And you know, the first step is, well, we have to have a fall. This, In which my fall was December 31st, 2011, that big you know, realization that I was in a toxic and abusive marriage to then leave and then the second thing is, is okay, are we going to make a decision? Step two, the ignition. Are we going to make a decision to stay or to leave, to, to do what we've always done or to do something completely different that is going to scare us, that is going to evoke fear, that is going to evoke uncertainty? But then when we get there, when we get to step three in the rising stage, we're like, oh, okay, well, I'm like this new beginner. I have no idea what's going on, but I'm going to go come from a place of curiosity. I might actually be reserved. I might not trust anybody right now because my heart is tender, mm-hmm. but I know I'm going to lean in on people who actually might be 
might actually be there for me. And it, all it takes is one or two people that you can let yourself, you know, be open to because we can't handle all of that stuff on our own, you know, whether it's personal, whether it's business at at the end of the day, it kind of crosses over, especially how we show up. And that was the beginning blocks of healing for sure. Wow. So let's rewind it back to the, the fact that that day where you decided to leave, where you decided to walk away from this abusive relationship where, and very specifically, like said, like you, you had, a, like he struck you in the face and something in you, like as he, as he like broke you down for that one last time, something within you broke and you crossed over it and you were like, I'm done. I am out. Like with that strike, you struck him out of your life and you, you made this decision. And I think what's so interesting is that when people listening to this are thinking, okay, well, I'm, I, I'm still in grief and mourning. I'm still in trauma. I'm still in loss. I'm still in abuse. Like they're, they're, they're in the pre-stage one of this conversation. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting to just sort of observe that, you know, you had these, these incredible, you endured this, this unimaginable emotional pain But because it was intrinsic, there was something about it that just built up and built up and was allowed to stay bottled up inside. And it wasn't until like an external physical pain that could be seen, that could be viewed, that was quote unquote real because it was outside of you that all of a sudden it just made you say to yourself, I'm done with the toxic positivity. I'm done. And I think, I think what's interesting about the language that you use in guiding this sort of this method that you've developed and this story that you so beautifully shared with us. I think what's interesting is, is the language around how we speak to everyone about the struggles that we're going through. So Mm. oftentimes, you know, we hear that when someone says like, I'm fine, I'm fine, like finds an F word in in our books, right? right? (laughs) And there's like, I'm fine, totally fine, it's great. And then there's the other side of the spectrum where it's like, I'm so fucked, I am not okay, I am drowning, I am dying, I it's full admission. And that's the darkest, heaviest, worst season that anyone can ever go through. And there's these two polar sides that oftentimes you really hear one of those two stories, like someone either isn't admitting it or they're admitting it to the point that they are drowning in it. And so what I find to be so beautiful about the language you use, even your subtitle, sort of the messy middle, the magic of the messy middle, is that the word that sucked or this sucks, it's it's, that word, it, it kind of gives us permission to be like, I'm not toxically positively fine, but there's this hope of, I'm not totally fucked either because I know I'll rise again. It's just like, that sucked. I'm acknowledging it. I'm not letting it drown me. I'm not ignoring it. It's just, it's kind of like an it is what it is acknowledgement of the suck. And that and that word too, like people kind of like, it's a light word too. Like, oh, that sucks, dude, or sucks for you. It's kind of like, a, it has a, a lightness to it, but it's a truthiness to it as well. And so I just love the language that you use there to help us find a space where we can, I don't know that there's a language we use very often that's in the messy middle, as you say. And I just think it's beautiful, a beautiful way for us to be able to frame it in our own minds. Well, I mean, well, Erin, you're honestly one of only a few people that have been able to recognize it and, and recognize it for what it's worth and recognize, yeah, at this there is levity in saying, well, that sucked. Because 
you could also say, oh my gosh, it, it happened to me again. Why me? Right. Mm-hmm. But there is, there is this beauty in, in, I wanted people to have that permission that it, that you, we don't have to have it all figured out. It just sucks in the moment. It, it sucked. And we're, mm-hmm. we're actually honoring what we couldn't control, what we couldn't change, what actually happened. And the now what piece is to say, okay, how are we charting forward? Yeah. What is that going to look like? Is it going to yeah. be, I mean, the same, my, my cover is the same way. Is it going to be like that rip on the paper? That's going to be a completely different color, completely different texture. Is there going to be punctuation marks differently? Mm-hmm. You know, it, and that's kind of the, the embodiment of really this book and what I hope people when they pick it up and when they fully read it and share it with uh, other friends is yeah, the permission to actually feel and the permission to actually share. And I love the the words that you use, the drowning. And because many times the, coming from my world of toxic positivity, yeah, everything's mm-hmm. fine. Or even this emotional perfectionism that women have to be a certain way all the time, prim and proper. And no, we're saying, fuck that. This mm-hmm. is where I am right now. I need a minute. Mm-hmm. I'm going to feel into my suck. I'm not going to get stuck there because I think most, you know, some people can get stuck in their circumstance and situation. There's a whole chapter where we talk about tools, strategies, tactics to get you out of that suck. But we first have to feel it and we first yeah. have to acknowledge it and we first have to see it. And we have mm-hmm. to say, well, hey, I see you. I might've been ignoring you for months, for years, for decades, mm-hmm. but now I see you and I'm going to let you breathe for a little bit. Mm. It's, it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. And, and I just, I'm, everyone listening right now is doing what I'm doing, which we're thinking through our last like big suck. And obviously the timing of your book is so serendipitous and so divine in terms of globally as a society, what we've all just gone through the last two and a half million years. But I think yes. the language of saying like, I, I like the idea of just like acknowledging what you've gone through with the language of like, that sucked. It's, it's like a baby step forward of like, I, I don't want to be this victim that's a hot mess that to your point, you're a child, you're trying to make friends. No one wants to talk about, like you said, people that have passed away. And and I don't care if you are in fifth grade or if you're 50. When you tell someone, you know, <laughs> I've experienced triple dramatic loss, it makes, they don't know what to say. They don't know what to do. They don't know what to do with their hands. They're uncomfortable saying, I'm sorry, or prayers feels so shallow. It's like, so we don't know what to say. So we don't say anything or we change the subject. And so I think just this idea of anyone that's going through something like that, just saying like, this sucks. And then moving into that sucked. And it's just, it feels approachable. It feels like you're not a victim. You're not a victor. You're just, you're in the messy middle and that's cool. So just own it and be okay with it. And then I love this, this now what? So I'm sure your books is, I can't wait to read the entire thing. I haven't obviously finished it yet because it just came out, which is so exciting. But what are some of those tools and strategies that you have found your clients and your students really gravitating towards when they find themselves, okay, I've acknowledged the suck. I've acknowledged the moments. I'm I'm now ready to kind of say now what? And maybe I don't know what that is right now, but I, I'm at least becoming, I'm feeling the bravery start to seep back into my soul. Like I'm feeling a little bit of that spark where maybe I can start to think of, of now what a little bit. And that might be getting out of bed is now what? Like who knows, right? So but what what are some of those that you can share with us? Oh yes. By the way, I have a little list of 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 you know some of these things that you can get to like slowly climb out of the suck. But one of the pillars that I talk about in the book is activating or opening yourself up 
even if it's hard, even if it's dark, to good stress. And what I mean, small amounts of good stress. And scientists, research has shown that if we're actually, you know, opening ourselves to the idea of good stress, saying yes to maybe some of the things that scare us, maybe having a difficult conversation, maybe, you know, if you're going through a breakup right now, maybe go on those apps, see if you can actually make a friend. Maybe you're, you don't have to date them, but see what can you learn about yourself or actually date yourself in the process and mm. find out how can you actually nourish you and take care of you. Maybe you don't need a partner right now. So doing the things that you wouldn't normally do to activate good stress. And when we think of good stress, we're like, well, why would we want to expose ourselves to good stress? Well, it also rewires our brain. It also rewires our, you know, the things that we would do because it keeps us safe. It keeps us complacent. It keeps us steady in our bubble. Well, now what? We're slowly venturing out. And I'll tell you this, you know, the first thing that I did that I did after my divorce, I was so, I just had a very low confidence in my life at that time, I took an improv class. I said oh, yes to improv. That. And after that, I, I took a stand-up comedy class. And I'm like, oh, my, never did I think that I was going to sign up for stand-up comedy. But I'm like, okay, it's really getting me out of my shell. So in what ways can you say yes to things that will totally pull you out of the reality that you've been sitting in to create and look at your career? current environment so that you're slowly climbing out. Uh, and it's not to say that I was going to be a stand-up comedian. I mean, I yeah. love comedy, but it actually had me and some of the tools today I still use when I'm on stage. And it started from that magical moment that sucked. Uh, it's so good. I mean, laughter is always the best medicine. I'm with you. I've done the improv. I've done the stand-up comedy classes. <laughs> I am certainly not a stand-up comedian in any way, shape or form. But what I love that you said about that is, you know, typically when we hear grief, trauma, terrible, heavy season... Obviously, step one, everyone's saying, and I've certainly, it saved my life for sure. Are you talking to a, a good therapist? Have you committed to do the proper professional work? Okay, duh. Baseline, step one, full stop. Yep. And when we sit inside the experience, whether it is the journaling and the thinking and the replaying that awful moment, like, like a horror movie in our minds that we can't turn the channel, right? And in the therapist and, and the podcast, it's yes, we have to do all that work. And if we are just marinating in those moments constantly with no other space, like you said, to escape and get outside the moment and rediscover the new reality and find yourself laughing maniacally at something absurd, putting yourself in a position where it is just funny and stupid and light, just that lightness. I mean, talk about a beautiful, easy first step. And if it's not for you that it's stand-up comedy or, you know, improv, something else that just is just light and silly and fun that can just remind you about the littlest joy in life. I love that that was your first tool. And then it wasn't just like, oh, talk yeah. to a therapist, journal. It's like, <laughs> duh, right? But I like that. That tip to me feels fresh because it's like, okay, go on. And I just, I love that that worked for you. Oh yeah, I mean, of course. There's there's so many different journaling prompts that like I take you through to get out of the sucky moments. And actually, when you do get the book, that suck now what? It actually comes with a 44 page digital oh, guide fantastic. that Ugh. takes you through all of the different ways where you can go through the introspection. You can go through well. 
How do I actually deal with, you know, these emotions? Am I yeah. actually judging these emotions? Am I suppressing them or squashing them down? And and I've been such an avid journaler for so many years, but also, I mean, making fun of yourself, that's one of the core hallmarks so of, you know, building resiliency to not take your circumstance so seriously. Mm-hmm. And that's why, again, the mantra works to actually have as a mantra, or as an anchor, that sucked. Now what? Because we're not getting stuck in the suck. We're actually mm-hmm. acknowledging it, but then we're also saying, all right, well, what's that now what piece? Yeah. It's almost like a yes and. It's a yes and mm-hmm. it's the for, yes and. But, it, but I mean, but it's so, it's so beautiful. So like when people hear your story and it's so incredible and you are so joyful and your energy is so I, I could talk to you literally for five hours I, I, actually I, I have to jump no, off same. this podcast in like five minutes because I have a 12 o'clock <laughs> and I want to cancel it so I want to talk to you for like three more hours but you're so joyful and vivacious and I think that's probably a secret to your success is that you have been through so much darkness you genuinely convey joy and lightness and not in a the camera's on kind of way it's in that way that you can't <laughs> fake, you know, and I I just, you can recognize it. You can feel it. I think that people that have been through really hard, dark times that are still walking through them right now, they see someone like you and it makes them feel like it's possible to be that girl that again, to be that guy again, that they were before the thing, before the suck, Mm -hmm. that they can Mm -hmm. rediscover that essence and re re meet a new version of that person. So what do you think is is one of the keys when you find yourself not sliding backwards into it, but but if you've had like those moments where even you are like, okay, I'm the motivational speaker, I'm the author, I'm the mom, I have all these amazing, this content, this team, these followers, I'm going to New York to see this billboard, my family, like life is so great. And then you might have one moment where it's like a trigger or a song or a smell oh, yeah. and you can feel mm-hmm. yourself start to sort of you're like, even, and even you, like, you know better, but we all, we all do this work. And still there are moments where you find yourself, your brain is seeking that old road and it, cause it yeah. feels familiar in a, in a sad way. What do you mm-hmm. do when you feel that sort of relapse moment coming on? Yeah. Well, you know, it's kind of like, and I talk about how to embrace the suck in the book. And when we actually even get to that thriving stage, yeah. we, we, you know, we think that, oh, are we not ever going to have a sucky moment again? No, we are going to have sucky moments and it's going to be inevitable. I literally, I think I just, well, I just had one, you know, yesterday, our power went out where, where we are in Texas and we're in the middle of a book launch and I had to cancel like, you know, three of our lives and podcasts. Cause I'm like, all right, well, here we are. Uh, oh. In, in that moment, I'm like, oh man, you know, what, how, how are we going to get the word out? But then I was like, oh my gosh, I had to laugh, but What I did was, and this is what I teach everyone, when you're actually feeling like you're getting emotional and you're going back down that road because your brain's kind of like, oh, well, I told you so, told you this isn't going to be good. Why why are you putting yourself out there or whatever, whatever stories that come up in our mind to keep ourselves safe, the ego comes up to keep ourselves safe. Well, 
I take my hand, put it on my heart. And what that means is literally it's a calming sense to my nervous system. It's a calming sense to the nervous system. It activates your parasympathetic nervous system. And it's also kind of like that embrace that you wanted from a friend, a family member, a caretaker Mm. when you were young. Imagine when you were four, you had a bad day at school. You come home, you had the embrace of that adult. Well, now you can be that for yourself to actually say, all right, you got this, you got this, but also to take that moment to embrace and, and feel and breathe and notice where you're actually breathing to actually say, oh, wow. Okay. I'm probably going to do that thing again, or I'm going back into my head again. So it's dropping you from your thoughts that are ruminating in your mental body into your heart, into your emotional body to say, okay, you, you got this. You've worked so hard for this. And that's where we can be our own advocates for ourselves Verse, I think the, the former self of mine would probably go, you know, on the phone, check an email, go to the next thing, do the next thing. Now it's like, take a moment, hold yourself mm. and give yourself that, that touch, give yourself that sensation and that embrace to say, okay, that sucked. Now what? It's going to be okay. Mm, that's so beautiful, Nita. As you were talking, I was doing it and it worked immediately. I, mean, I felt my shoulders drop out of my ears. I felt this moment of peace. What a beautiful, simple way to reground and and just remind yourself that you do have it. I mean, this has just been such an incredible Converse. Thank you so much. I mean, what a great conversation. Oh. I just, I can't wait for everyone to go out and get your book. It just came out. That sucked. Now what? There is a workbook. There is a book. Some beautiful thought leaders and, and fellow friends of mine as well have endorsed this book and rightly so. I cannot wait to finish reading it and to endorse it, promote it. Everyone needs a copy, especially now more than ever. And I just think you're fabulous. I'm so grateful that we got to meet today. And thank you again for being on the show. Oh my gosh, Erin, this was amazing. Thank you so much for all of the wisdom that you poured in. And yeah, we'll continue continue on. We'll do this on my podcast as well. I can't wait. I can't, we're doing a part two as well, live. I can't wait. Thank you again. Friends, what did I tell you? Anita Bashan is the real deal. That conversation was so juicy and I cannot wait to read the rest of her book, which just dropped three days ago. That sucked. Now what? Pick it up on Amazon or wherever you get your books and definitely give her a follow on Instagram. You can also get more info at Nita Bouchon, B as in boy, H as in her, U-S-H-A-N dot com. Well, friends, I hope my time today with Nita has helped you feel a little more equipped to live life today a little more on your terms. Until next time, friends. Friends.